Amen, right? Tragedy to testimony. What an incredible story of how Jesus changed one daughter's life and then through the years to get to watch her mom come to the Lord and then her daughter come to Jesus. Three generations of life change. We at the church at Knowlesville love seeing and celebrating life change. Amen? And if you open up your Bible from beginning to end, it tells one story, and that's that God, through his son Jesus, changes lives. There is no person too far, no story too far gone, no sin too deep, no heart too cold, that God cannot overcome and heal and rescue. And if you're new to the Bible, there's 66 different books inside of this Bible that make up one great and grand and glorious story. Beginning from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it tells one story of a Savior named Jesus. The Old Testament has 39 books Why is it the Old Testament? Well, it's because Jesus hadn't yet come to earth. And so the Old Testament tells us about the need for a Savior, how he's coming and he's going to rescue us. Then when you get to Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us the story of the life of Jesus. Acts tells us the story of the early church. And then the books after that are guys like Peter and Paul and others writing letters to early Christians, telling them what it means to walk with Jesus. And The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels, and they're very similar. In fact, a lot of theologians would say they sort of borrowed a little bit from one another to tell the story of Jesus. Very similar wordings. That's why they call them the synoptic gospels. But when you get to the gospel of John... The gospel of John is remarkable. It's unique. It's a special gospel. And there's some things in the gospel of John that you don't find anywhere else. In fact, there's seven miracles only found in the book of John, nowhere else. In the book of John, you have seven I am statements about Jesus that you don't find anywhere else. In John, you get the encounter with the woman at the well. In John, you get Nicodemus. We wouldn't know about the wee little man if it wasn't for John. And John does an incredible job of helping us understand who Jesus is. And so we're starting a new series called Who is Jesus? And we're going to be looking at the book of John from now all the way until Easter. And I'm so pumped about it. The gospel of John. Here's what Augustine, the great theologian, said about John. He said, John's gospel is deep enough for an elephant to swim but shallow enough for a child not to drown. So if you've been a follower of Jesus your whole life and you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, you can still learn so much about Jesus from this book. But if you're brand new to Christianity, if you're just checking out the church, or if you're a new believer, you can make your way through this book. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this. He said, if we ever lost the Bible, but... We were able to keep Romans and John, Christianity would survive. The gospel of John is incredible. And we're going to be in it now until Easter. We won't have a chance to hit every word and every line, but we're going to walk our way through the major themes of the gospel of John. And it's amazing. You're holding in your hands a book that God wrote, and we get to study it, which is incredible. Amen? And so I'm going to read the first five verses of the Gospel of John over you and to you, and then we're going to, as our custom is, like unpack it line by line. And so 
Just listen to how John begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing that was created has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So God, today, your word is so powerful and true. And I pray, God, that you would help us see that you work through your word because Jesus is the word and that our lives will never flourish with a closed Bible. So, God, would you draw us into a deeper intimacy with you as we study your word? Would your word shape our lives this year in Jesus' name? And everybody said amen. So we'll begin. John chapter 1, verse 1, I invite you every week, bring a copy of God's Word. Have this Bible open either on your lap or on your phone. We're going to go through it word by word, line by line. And let's begin and look at what John says here as he begins his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I love the way John begins. He's writing and Here's his introduction. A lot of times when we write a letter or we write to someone, we introduce ourselves. Hey, here's a little bit about me. Here's why I'm writing. But not John. He gets right to work. And John is an incredible figure in history. At this point, he's the leading spiritual leader in the entire world. He's the last remaining eyewitness to Jesus. John is alive after all the other disciples have been martyred. And when he begins writing, even though he's a really important, influential guy, he doesn't say anything about himself. He just gets right to Jesus. And what he says about Jesus is remarkable. Look, look right here. He says, in the what? In the beginning. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, what does that sound a little bit like? Well, like Genesis, right? In the beginning. Well, that's on purpose. In the beginning talks about when everything was made. Everything that there is was made in the beginning. And John says Jesus was there in the beginning, which means he had to be there before the beginning because as we'll see in a minute, he created everything in the beginning. So what John is saying is, hey, Jesus has no beginning. And if he has no beginning, then he has no end. He is eternal. This is a staggering claim he's making about Jesus, that Jesus was there in the beginning. He is there causing all things to be. And what I love about Jesus is he has a history of beginnings. In fact, he has a history of new beginnings. The God who created everything also comes to people like me and you and gives us new beginnings. Jesus comes to people and offers new life and new beginnings and new hope. And listen, regardless of where you came from, your past is a reminder, but it's not your identity. Jesus gives new beginnings. Amen? So he was there in the beginning. But, but look, he also has a name. In the beginning was what? The Word, that's Jesus' name from John right there, the Word of God. And it's an incredible name. And, you know, he has other names. If you flip over to Revelation chapter 19, you don't have to, but listen to this. This is another place where we see a name of Jesus. 
It's one of my favorite verses. People call this kick booty Jesus, and I love it. It says, then I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse, and its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war, and his eyes were like a flame of fire, and many crowns were on his head. And he had a name written that no one knows except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. There it is, the Word of God again. And the armies were in heaven, followed him on white horses wearing pure linen. And he had a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All of that is true of Jesus, the Word of God that he talks about here. And when you look at the Word of God and you begin in the Old Testament, the word of God, that word, describes someone who's sent as a messenger to accomplish the purpose of God and then returning back to God. And maybe you're familiar with Isaiah 55, 11. Have you ever heard this verse where it says, the word of God will not return void? Have you ever heard that? Well, that's true, but sometimes preachers will use that verse and they'll say, hey, the word of God can never return void. So this sermon can't fail. Like I've heard sermons that have failed. Amen. Like I'm talking about like right here, I've heard some that have failed. Sometimes preachers fail, but the word does not. And the reason why the word never fails, listen, is because many theologians believe that Isaiah, he wasn't talking about a sermon. He's talking about Jesus and God's word doesn't return void because Jesus is the word and Jesus never fails. So the word of God can't return void because Jesus always does what he says he's going to do. And the word was sent into the world to become the Jesus of history, to reveal to us God's glory and grace. And he's the word. In Greek, it's the word logos. And this is incredibly important for you and I to know because God works miraculously through his word. In the beginning, it was God's word. Let there be light. Let there be life. He spoke the world into existence. God works through his word. Jesus, the word of God, when he was here in flesh, spoke through his words and the waves were calmed and demons were called out and Lazarus came back to life. It was Ezekiel who spoke God's word over a valley of dry bones and they came to life. God's word is powerful. The word of God is powerful it moves mountains, it makes planets, it saves souls, it gives life, it heals, it rescues, it redeems, it comforts, it defends. God works, write this down, through his word. God works through his word. And some of you want a new beginning and you're praying for a new start in 22, new life. You want the winds and the waves in your lives to calm down or comfort or healing a relationship restored, what you need is the word of God. Not only does God's word reveal to us his character, his heart, his passion, it reveals to us who we are and who he is, but, but God's word moves in power. This, this isn't a dry, dusty old document. It's alive. It's powerful because Jesus is alive. And God's power flows through his word. God works through his word. And some of you, you're like me, and you've cried out for help, and you've wanted direction, and you've wanted wisdom, and you've wanted new beginnings, but it doesn't feel like it's starting for you. Listen, your life will not flourish with a closed Bible. And I don't mean that as a drive-by guilty. And I don't promise a lot of things 
from this platform. I'm not one that's going to promise you prosperity. I'm not going to promise you those things because Jesus didn't come to make our life perfect. He came to save our soul. But what I can promise you is you are missing a power and a joy and a flourishing life if you have a closed Bible because God works through his word. There's power that flows through his word that you are not tapped into if you have the habit of a closed Bible. And so whatever you're dreaming about and whatever goals you're setting for 2022, at the top of that list needs to be God's word because you cannot have a life that flourishes with a closed Bible because God works through his word. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do is come go with me through the month of January. One month, give it a shot. Read the book of John every week. It's got 21 chapters. If you read three days a week, three chapters a day, seven days a week. That's 21. That's easy math. We can do that. And I'm not going to promise you anything other than the power of God will meet you when you're in his word. The, the Jesus that walked along the beach and called disciples will meet you in his word. The, the Jesus that said, Lazarus, come out of that grave, will sit down and meet with you when you're in his word. God works through his word. Every day I'm going to be reading three chapters of this book. I'm going to invite you to come go with me during the month of January and let's read God's word together. God works through his word. Now, we're going to have to keep moving. You guys got to have to stop asking so many of these questions because we're really only six words into the whole book of John. We got to keep moving. Amen? All right. So, in the beginning was the word. We saw that. Now, now look at what it says next. And the word was where? With God. And the word was what? Was God. Well, where, where is Jesus? He is with God. Who is Jesus? He is God. This is a declaration that Jesus, the eternal son of God, is also divine and co-equal with the Father. This is an amazing declaration from John. And no one else gets to make this claim. And what you believe about Jesus is perhaps the most important thing about you. The word was God. Jesus Christ is God. And we talked about this last week when we looked at Colossians because a few of kind of what John is saying here, some of the sentences, is very familiar to what we talked about in Colossians, but people often say that, that Jesus never claimed to be God. He absolutely did. On one time, they were trying to kill him, and he was like, hey, why are you guys trying to kill me? And they were like, you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus claimed to be God. No other world religion has a founder that ever claimed to be God. Mormons would say Jesus was just a created man. Muslims would say he's a man who became a prophet. Jehovah's Witnesses would say he was an angel. The Hindus would say he was a man who, through karma, kept reincarnating himself until he became enlightened. No, Jesus is God. And as God, what John tells us next is that he is the creator. Look at verse 3. He says, in all things, how many things? All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Creator. Jesus spoke the world into existence. Everything and everyone 
was created by Jesus and thus belongs to Jesus. And everyone will give an account to Jesus because he is the creator. And what John is saying is that God is the reason, Jesus is the reason that everything exists and therefore everything exists for God. So whoever you are, the reason why you exist, your family, your wealth, your career, your life, and even your death, everything finds its meaning in its creator. And everyone and everything was created by God for God. And so not only did Jesus create the earth and all that's in it, including you and everything that you possess and all that you are, but he also created the heavens above the heavens and the heavens above those heavens. The reality is there's nothing that exists that God didn't make. Every star, every planet, every corner of the universe, everything belongs to him. Every bank account, car, flat screen, golf club, iPad, iPhone, couch, chair, purse, bed, closet, doesn't matter. Spotify playlists belongs to him, except for maybe the boy bands that some of you have. He probably wouldn't own any of that. But he made and created everything, and there's not one square inch that doesn't belong to him because he's the creator. And what's incredible about him being the creator is that he lacks nothing. And if he wants something else, he can just make more of it out of nothing. It's a little bit different than us, isn't it? Like, how awesome would it be to be watching the national championship game Monday night and be like, you know what I would like? More sweet tea. Boom, there it is. Jesus, at any moment, can speak anything he wants into existence. And if you can do that, then you're limitless and you're infinitely valuable because there are no constraints on you. But, but what makes Jesus so amazing isn't that he can just create whatever he wants. What makes Jesus of infinite value is that, that he and he alone is the true treasure of the universe. The creator is the treasure that you're looking for. And so often we run headlong after his stuff and wonder why it doesn't satisfy but at the end of the day, the ache in your soul is only satisfied by its creator, and that's Jesus. And that's what John is telling us about here. And then look what he says about Jesus in verse 4 and 5. He says this, in him was life. You want to know where life is found? Where is life found? In him. And that life was the light of men. That's why we call Jesus the light of the world. And that light, Jesus Shown in darkness. He came into our world. He stepped into a sinful and broken world, and yet the darkness didn't overcome it. Yeah, he was crucified, but he rose again. Amen? And so in him, the Bible says, is life. And if what the Bible says about Jesus is true, it's the most scandalous story ever written, that the eternal became mortal, that the Savior was crucified for a bunch of sinners. But as you know, the Bible says Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. The world was condemned already. He came to save. So the word of God didn't, didn't enter into the world to become a theological checklist. He didn't step into the world so that you could follow rules. The, the word of God didn't become a political movement. The, the word didn't become a religious system. No, what we know to be true is that the word became flesh. The creator God, the one who knows no beginning and has no end, stepped into our world. 
And one author says it like this. He said, the omnipotent became little. The invincible became vulnerable. The infinite was swaddled. The sovereign was tearful. The self-existent was needy. The immortal became fragile. The one who cares for all was helpless. The healer was wounded. Life itself was crucified. Jesus. And John says, look back at verse 4, in him was life. Life is not going to be found in any other pursuit, direction than Jesus. In him was life itself. And the reason why we make a big deal about Jesus here is because in him was life. Religion says God will love you if you earn it. But Jesus says God loves you, period. Religion would say, hey, here's your list that you must follow. But Jesus says, no, 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 follow me. Religion says, hey, be good and you'll get to heaven. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father but by me. Religion says, hey, obey and then you might be accepted. And Jesus says, no, 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 because of me, you're accepted. Now just choose to obey. In Jesus is life. And that's, that's why John wrote this gospel. That's, that's the reason why he put pen to paper was so that you would know. And in fact, if you, you wonder if that's true or not, then just listen to what John says about the purpose of his gospel. And we find it in chapter 20. He says this. He says, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. John is in no way mincing words about why he wrote this book. He wrote this book so that people who were far from God could find life in Jesus Christ. The broken, the destitute, the rich, the poor, the morally good, the morally bad, anyone and everyone can only find life in Jesus. And that's, that's what God wants to accomplish in the studying and the reading of this book is that you would find life, that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and that Jesus is the answer to sin and death and life and flourishing, that life is indeed found in his name. Life isn't found in just obeying his teachings and life isn't just found in coming to church, but life is found in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. When you say, I am a sinner in need of a savior and I say yes to Jesus and no to sin, I want him. And he makes us whole and he makes us new and he sets us on a journey of following him. And that's what John wants to accomplish. And that's our prayer for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, then why not begin that conversation with us today? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. We just want to talk. We want to celebrate with you like we have with so many in the past. And so at some point before the service concludes, that card in the seat back in front of you, grab it, pull it out, 
There's a line on there that says, hey, I want to know and follow Jesus. Just mark that. Turn it in. I will personally call you. We'll set up a time to grab coffee. I want to have that conversation with you. Life is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. There's one thing we make a big deal about here at our church, and it's Jesus. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we make much of him. Life is found in Jesus. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I want to implore you to, to remember two things. Number one, God works through his word. This, this book that's on your bedside table, that's in a drawer, that's on the front seat of your car, that's on your desk, wherever you keep it, it's, just, it's not just a book. The creator of the universe wrote to you to tell you where life is found, where your life will flourish and where it won't, how to know him, how to be known by him, and how to have a life that is abundant and full. And and then this word, he didn't just leave it as, as a word, like he indwells and empowers it. And it's alive and active because Jesus is alive and active. And this church will never be the church she's called to be if we are not people of his word. If we don't lift up his word and obey his word and submit to his word and soak up his word, we will never flourish. Because your life will not flourish with a closed Bible. And the good news about God is his mercies are new every day. Amen? And so... This can be a year where you can sit, you can soak, you can meet, you can convene with the same Jesus who sat knee to knees with others. He'll sit knee to knee with you. And so for the next month, would you be crazy enough to come go with me and read the gospel of John every day? I don't make a ton of promises, as I said earlier, but I can promise you this. I can promise you with every ounce of sincerity that I have and with with all assurance that I am on solid biblical ground. There's an untapped power that you're missing. There's a joy in this life that you haven't found yet. There is a flourishing that you haven't walked into. There is a peace. There is transformation that you're missing that is only available through the Word of God. It's mysterious. I don't know how God does it, but God works through His Word. And this is going to be a year where we are people of His Word. Come go with me. And Jesus, we, we just submit to you. We submit to your word. The life-transforming, heaven-altering, mountain-moving, soul-saving word of God. Would you invite us into deeper waters, 
into a journey of knowing you and making you known. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. Amen.